As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, takeover latest... Please, God, make it stop. Wolves visit the bridge. The women's team look to wrap up the title. The under-23s get ready for their must-win season finale. There's silverware for the under-18s and the latest instalment of our always nail-biting quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Outta Cobham. Well, what a busy show we've got for you today. Listener, plenty going on in the world of Chelsea FC as ever. To talk you through it all, uh, there's me, Matt Davis-Adams. I am joined by the Athletics. Two Chelsea experts. Simon Johnson's back with us. Morning, Simon. Good day. Good day to you. Liam Toomey's also here. Hi, Liam. Chelsea didn't lose to Real Madrid. They lost to Destiny. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, felt a lot better uh, watching that last night. A slightly less painful way to exit the Champions League than Manchester City suffered. Uh, never mind the Champions League, though. We're going to start by talking about the takeover at the Bowley Group. In the process of trying to get their bid to buy Chelsea over the line, but Jim Ratcliffe not giving up hopes of completing his own takeover, despite being told on Wednesday that his bid had been rejected. Uh, so we're in this period of exclusivity for the Bowley bid. Uh, Liam, we don't really know when that ends, but but basically does it mean that, that it's his to lose? It's, it, it's up to them to get it over the line and, and they are strong favourites to do so despite these late disruptions. Yes, it does. Um, Rain and Chelsea have selected Bowley as the, the preferred bidder out of this. I know many fans think to be a long, slow process. And now it's up to him and his group to to satisfy all parties, basically, uh, and close the agreement. And once there is an agreement, then Chelsea and Rain can take it to the UK government to sign off. And all of the indications are, not least the public comments by Nadine Doris last week, that the UK government aren't minded to be too fussy about which of these bids they sign off. They just want this done. They want Chelsea sold. Um, the one issue hanging over all of it, of course, is what happens to the money. And there have been concerns from various parties involved in the process this week about the £1.6 billion debt that the suggestion is that you know will now need to be repaid rather than written off. Abramovich and his people are seemingly 
um, arguing that because he's sanctioned, he can't actually write it off. And there were also concerns about the 500 million to this charitable foundation that doesn't actually exist yet. Uh, it was made last week as well. So there are complications to the process, but we were told by one source close to the sort of government side that there would be a possibility of issuing two separate licenses, one to get the club sold and one to handle the money essentially. And one, the one to sell the club could be issued a lot quicker than the other one. Um, so there's still optimism that this could all happen by May 31st. Uh, but the, of course, the other aspect of all of this is that if Bowley is not able to close the deal, we still have Broughton, Harris Blitzer, we still have Paliuka, they have not gone away. And we still very much have Jim Ratcliffe, uh, who's been very visible despite apparently being rejected by Rain. He's operating outside the, the, the same process as everyone else, but he clearly still has hope that Chelsea or the government could give him a way into this. I'll ask Simon about Jim Ratcliffe in a, in a second, but just on the 1.6 billion, Liam, is that money that now has to be added on top of the Bowley bid? So that they've got to pay an extra 1.6 billion on what they thought, plus an extra 500 million for this charitable foundation. I wish I could give you a definitive answer, Matt. Um, the numbers involved in this are getting more and more confusing. And it, there was even confusion last week when the 500 million pound request was made as to whether it was an additional 500 million pound on top or whether it was 500 million pound that was no longer going into Chelsea but instead into this charitable foundation um it's not entirely clear and i'm sure a lot of the conversations that Bowley's group will be having right now will center on what the financial transaction will look like how it will break down how much money will be invested in Chelsea how much will go to in theory, satisfying this debt to to Ford, Stam and Camberley Investments, whether that can get past the UK government. There are lots and lots of questions that we don't know yet, and, and hopefully we'll get some clarity soon because we need it in order for this takeover to be completed. What's your take on Jim Ratcliffe and, and what he's been up to the last few days, Simon? Because he he sort of did the media rounds yesterday, certainly speaking to the BBC, saying, look, we're a, a British bid for a British club. It, it was put to him that, you know, maybe he should be trying to buy Manchester United, the club he actually supports. And, and why does he think that he could circumnavigate the sales process with rain or just come in really late and, and get a bid, which has apparently been dismissed? He doesn't strike me as the kind of bloke who's doing this for attention. So he must genuinely believe that he has got an opportunity here. But but why did he think that he could just totally bypass the, the sales process that's been in place for, what, a couple of months now? Hmm. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, it was put to him, sort of, why why have you come in so late? And and he was sort of, sort of fudged it a little bit and sort of said, oh, you know, obviously a, a deal of this size is not something you can just do off the, off the drop of a hat. And the weird thing is, is he has expressed an interest in Chelsea before. He has, um, I think, even made a bid for Chelsea or certainly made an approach to Chelsea before in, in, in previous years. It, it is very confusing. I mean, he makes all the right noises in terms of his ambition for the club, making them like a Real Madrid, a Barcelona. Um, he thinks that Chelsea have underachieved. He perhaps... I felt some... Some uh, I could hear the fan base getting very uncomfortable when he was asked about 
well, who are you going to support from now on? And he was basically saying, well, Man United are in my DNA. But then I, I kind of get where he's coming from at the same time. He's basically saying, look, I can't buy Man United. So this is the best, next best thing is buying a football club. It... He's already got two of them though, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, you know, even the, the sort of sort of owning Nice, you know, because the question of what happens if they face each other in Europe would be a problem. The same problem would face uh, Paliuka being a having a fifty five percent stake in Atalanta. Um, it, it's a difficult one to make of what, what to make of Jim Ratcliffe. Um, it, it's very very strange. I don't I don't know why why he, he wasn't ready to go when when it was pretty obvious what all the deadlines were. But the fact that he's still floating around and sort of feels like, well, if there's anything that goes wrong with the Todd Bowley process, that, that he's very much thinks that he's in the in the running. Um I can imagine though that a lot of people will quite like the idea of of what he's saying about a British bid, you know, for a British club. Um that that will go down quite well I think with quite a lot of people it's quite easy to see the attraction of his bid for Chelsea to some fans because it's it, it seems very much the closest thing to a continuation of what has been the model under Abramovich you know he, he made a big play in his statement of saying we wouldn't run the club for profit this isn't we're not private equity you know, we make money from other things. This would be about just winning on the pitch. But it's just, he, he's just put himself in a very funny position in this process because in order for him to succeed, you would think either the government have to torpedo the Bowley bid or the, or the other bids and, and, and expressly advocate for, for Ratcliffe, which is something they've shown no indication that they're going to do and would certainly be incredibly controversial. Or Chelsea would just have to kind of dispense with this entire Rain process. And you have to wonder what sort of contractual agreements were signed with Rain that they might have to break in order to do that. And also, well, I mean, you can't imagine Rain voluntarily um, going with Ratcliffe because they've got quite a lot of uh, relationships to maintain with American billionaires that have been involved in this bid process and, and they would annoy an awful lot of people that they deal with you'd imagine a lot more regularly than Ratcliffe. Um, so it, he's in a strange situation. And on the surface, it seems like a real long shot um, for him to actually get this over, you know, get an ev even get a chance at buying Chelsea now. But there's just this nagging thought in my mind that billionaires don't put themselves up to look stupid. Mm. And if he's gone in this publicly this late, it's because he's been given serious reason to think he can win by someone yeah i was about to say the same he must have had some encouragement from somewhere it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense otherwise because as you sort of intimated matt what 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 does he what does and there what, what does he get out of it if if this all comes to nothing it, it seems a very strange position to put yourself in to be, to put yourself out there publicly only to sort of people swat you away because you you miss some deadlines it, it it doesn't doesn't make sense um that in saying that it doesn't mean he's going to win either but yeah you just sort of it's difficult because we haven't we ourselves haven't spoken to the man but sort of reading his motive you sort of think 
you, you, you don't put your chips in, a la, sort of using a poker analogy, unless you think you've got a good hand. There's no chances there, Liam, that this is a tactic either by Chelsea or Abramovich or Rain or whoever to just kind of smoke out a few more quid from the Bowley bid or somebody and say, you know, you do need to pay this extra 500 million quid. Jim Ratcliffe's prepared to do it. Do you want to do it? Yes or no? And, and get it over the line whilst making a little bit more money from it. It's very possible. It's possible that he could be, you know, leverage for Chelsea and Rain. Uh, to, to strengthen their hand in these negotiations. I mean, this exclusivity period is a finite period of time. We don't know exactly how long it is, but Bowley does have a deadline to try to do this. And there are alternatives. But you come back to the question of what's in that for Ratcliffe. You know, what what is in it for him to just be useful to... to, to Chelsea and Rain and potentially make himself look a little bit silly by by just coming in too late and then doing all these interviews and maintaining such a public profile um, while he's ostensibly just doing someone a favour. It, do, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but not a lot of this makes a lot of sense right now. Uh, Simon, if you, if you had to make a prediction now, do you think that the Bowley bid will be able to, to get this over the line? And, and has there been any indication from them about how they they viewed this uh, late attempt to gazump them? I would say that it'd be very surprising if if um, Todd Bowley's group <laughs> have done all this work only to not be able to finish it off. It'd, it'd be very odd. Um, as for any noises from them, um, I don't think we have heard any noises from them, have we, Liam? The Bowley bid. Yeah, in terms of reaction to Jim Ratcliffe. That, uh, I no, I, I think I think Team Bowley are keeping the lowest possible profile because they're. <laughs> yeah. I'd imagine there have been a few NDAs signed, you know, for these exclusivity talks to to go on. So I, I can't imagine they'll be saying much for for the next few days. And, and there's not much in it for them to react anyway. You know, like if 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 they finalise the bit, you know, sort of get this over the line, why do they? They don't really need to to worry. So yeah, it's all in the balls in their court. The ball's in their penalty area to uh, to slam home a la Rodrigo at the, uh, at the Bernabeu. Yeah, they're just hoping that they've got Didier Drogba to, to finish it off rather than, I don't know, insert Chelsea number nine from the past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we will have more to bring you on this on Monday. Who knows what's going to happen between now and then, listener. As you know, the, the best place to keep up to date with it is on The Athletic, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. All right, we'll talk football next. The Wolves are at the door. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
Chelsea have four games left in the Premier League, three of which are at Stamford Bridge. That's either a good thing or a bad thing. Not sure based on the Blues' recent home record. Wolves up first. They head to West London on Sunday. Um, Liam, I wanted to start with Romelu Lukaku, a player in limbo, as you've written about for The Athletic. He he cut a, a pretty mournful figure on the bench at Goodison Park last weekend when Chelsea couldn't find the goal. Wolves looking a bit ropey at the back at the moment. It's time for the weekly question. Do you start him in this game? I don't even know anymore. Um, <laughs> Tuchel appears to have completely stopped rotating and and appears to have settled on 12 or 13 very tired, very jaded players that he trusts at the expense of everyone else. And Lukaku, I think you could you could see all of that in his face uh, on the bench at Goodison. He, he'd spent quite a long period of the second half warming up with Ziyech and Pulisic, and all three of them knew that only two of them could get on because of the halftime uh, substitution that Tuchel had made. And Lukaku was the one that, uh, Tuchel decided he he didn't need when he needed a goal above all else. Um, so it, I, I felt like that that particular moment was was quite quite a significant um, hint at that sort of relationship, the state of that relationship right now. I don't know how much how much Tuchel rotates. His hand might be forced a little bit because Chelsea do look very jaded and very stale, and if. And if Tuchel wants to have any chance of having the guys he actually wants to pick at Wembley fit for Wembley and ready ready for what will be a massive game against Liverpool, then he has to give them uh, a little bit of a rest at some point and, and maybe give some of the other guys in the squad a chance to, to get Chelsea over the line in the top four race. The good news for Chelsea is that whoever they start, Wolves appear to be on the beach as well. So, so th- this might not be the best spectacle. I'm not, I'm not sure. Not sure how good this game will be to watch. But Tuchel just needs a bit, needs a performance, and Chelsea need to show a little bit of life because at the moment you, you wouldn't give them a hope against Liverpool, who look like the best team in Europe. The best way to show a bit of life, then Simon, would be to mix things up a bit. Wouldn't it? I mean, are you thinking then we might see Ziyech and Pulisic in the front three? Dare I suggest the lesser spotted Saul might even get some minutes? He he did pretty well in the reverse, didn't he, when he came off the bench at halftime? Still unbeaten as a Chelsea player? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, Wolves away. I remember that, yeah. Um, that was when Saul's, yeah, there was a bit of chat. I remember I was shortly afterwards asking Tuchel, oh, Saul showing the kind of. <laughs> form that makes makes you think you can play a part in the season. He's like, oh yeah, um, better find soul. I think is the is, should be the name uh, of a show. But um, the question of team rotation obviously leads. I I think is possibly more likely leads away um, in midweek because obviously there's the cup final on Saturday. So. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes stronger for for the home game against Wolves and then goes weaker for the away game. Well, depending on the result against Wolves, um, goes weaker for the away game because he'll want his his A team for Liverpool uh, at Wembley. Um, the, the the mood isn't great. I spoke to quite a few people. The mood isn't great at the moment. It, this is probably the. As bad a mood as there's been around the place since since Tuchel took over, there isn't that 
sort of upward momentum that that he was riding in obviously last season and for most of this season the the Real Madrid game has seemed to have taken a lot of buzz around the place out of them and then and then the team selection is sort of for the first time we we, we are sort of really seeing this the guys the guys that he likes and the guys that he doesn't um and that is going to as with all Chelsea managers, what all Chelsea managers found, that is inevitably going to put dressing room morale um, into question. Um, so this team badly needs a win. I, I find it quite quite funny that um, it, it is the home form that he's going to have to rely on to get this over the line. That The thing that has ensured they've struggled to get this over the line is now the thing they're going to have to, have to put right. Um, but it's still just two wins, two wins from these four games maximum. It's it, it's unthinkable to think they'll blow it, but anything's possible the way they're playing right now. Yeah, win would take Chelsea to 69 points. Fifth place Spurs can get a maximum of 73. Bear in mind, they've got to go to Anfield on Saturday and they've got to play Arsenal. So a win here for Chelsea. Just about there. Wolves lost their last three without scoring. One win in five. Also lost four of their last five on the road, failing to score in three of those. Liam, before we move on, I note that Ruben Neves is being linked with a move away from Wolves this summer. Amazed to find out he's only 25. If he told me he's 35, really? I, I wouldn't have been surprised at that. Uh, any chance that, that he could fit into a Chelsea team? I think he could f- certainly fit in from a system point of view. Yeah, he's... He's sort of tailor-made skill-wise for one of those number six positions. Kind of a younger, slightly more physical, dynamic version of Jorginho. The The one question you have about Neves is that he he hasn't played in a possession team for a while, but I'm sure, I'm pretty confident he's good enough to adapt to that. Uh, I, I know he seems a lot older, partly because he broke through at Porto when he was, what, 17, and he was kind of a wonder kid who has had a bit of a weird career path because most players who are as hyped as him in their teenage years are already at top club by now and probably would have been for the last two or three years. But he hasn't done badly at Wolves. It's not as if he's disappointed. He's been very, very good, but he's just, um, yeah, I think he's been there a little bit too long. It's probably the right time for him to move on. But who the hell knows who Chelsea will sign this summer if <laughs> or if they can sign people. Uh, got a prediction for the game, Simon? We're saying only six points to do it. Are they going to get three of them here? I, I'm going to be uh, my usual upbeat self and say it's going to be a one-all draw. <laughs> oh, sounds fun. Uh, right, so that's Chelsea <laughs> versus Wolves. It's three o'clock on Saturday. It's a massive weekend for the football club across all teams. There, we'll have a look ahead to the women's game next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events 
the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So Emma Hayes' team bring the curtain down on their league season when they welcome Manchester United to Kings Meadow on Sunday. It's the final day of the WSL season. All the games kick off at noon. Arsenal's 3-0 win against Spurs on Wednesday night means the Gunners need to better Chelsea's results on the final day to lift the trophy. They play West Ham. Uh, Chelsea aiming to be the first team to win three successive WSL titles. Over on the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, host Lindsay Hooper sought the opinions of Kelly Smith and commentator Robin Cowan on who will win the title race. Here's what they had to say. We've got to nail our, our flags to the mast. Are we all thinking it's going to be Chelsea because they're in front already for the title? Anyone disagree? Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree with you. I think Chelsea, from what I've seen in the last you know, few games and pretty much most of the season, they've got a, a deep squad to come in. They've got players that can come off the bench and change it if it's going wrong, like we saw against Birmingham when she brought Cuthbert on and Mielda and James. The quality that they have um, is just outstanding. And I, I can't see them slipping up at this point in the season. Emma Hayes is so experienced. She's been here before. The players have been here before. They like this pressure and they'll be lapping it up when they play Manchester United. I can't see anything but a Chelsea win. Mm. I think the the only thing I'd say on, on Chelsea is that they really haven't been playing well. And Manchester United, even though it's out of their hands, they will have something to play for. Even if it's not the Champions League, it's just that statement win to end the season to take into, into the next campaign. So they, they will be motivated, Manchester United. But it's at home at Kings Meadow where Chelsea are pretty imperious. So I can't see anything and uh, any upset happening there, unfortunately, for Manchester United fans. Uh, Liam, as Robin said in the clip there, something on the game for United as well. They have to win and hope Man City lose in order to pip City to third place in Champions League qualification. Pretty unlikely on the face of it. But that might work in Chelsea's favour. We, we've seen this season they, they can struggle to break teams down when they when they come and just sit in. You know, I'm thinking of, of Brighton and teams like that. But if United actually need to score goals, that might mean that they are a little more ambitious and therefore spaces for Chelsea to exploit. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea have got a lot of attackers who who thrive on that kind of space and uh you know Sam Kerr's so 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 good at attacking the ball in behind and Chelsea have plenty of plenty of players who are capable of playing those passes so it could work in their favor i'm just i think it's really really brilliantly poised because Chelsea and Arsenal both have not only are they separated by a point and all the drama that entails but they've both got very live opponents you know, I think I think West Ham are a pretty decent opponent for for Arsenal as well. So it's going to be dramatic. I think it's going to be a test of nerves as well as as well as of skill. But Chelsea have been in this situation so many times before. They've they've got the better of them a lot more than they've than they've lost. Uh, and so I'm sure they'll go into it with with a high degree of confidence. And fundamentally, they know something that Arsenal don't, which is that if they win, they're definitely champions. 
Uh, yeah, and Chelsea unbeaten at home in the league this season. They've won nine of ten games. It'll be a, a farewell to Kings Meadow for Giso, Jonor Anderson. Andrew Spence was announced this week that Spence is leaving after a decade as a Chelsea player. Um, Simon, we've, we've spoken about the impact of the sanctions and takeover on, on the men's first team in recent weeks and maybe use that as a little bit of a crutch. It doesn't seem to have bothered the women's team in the slightest, does it? They've just been able to carry on doing what they do and, and focus on the football and winning games. It helps that they've, in terms of uh, trophies, they, they've had something also that they, they, they've not, because of Arsenal, they've not been able to afford to down tools or be distracted or worried. And because Arsenal, have, you've got to give them credit, have been going toe-to-toe with them since beating Chelsea on the opening day. I mean, it's been a, a fantastic title race. Um, but yeah, the Chelsea women have been fantastic to, to maintain this this winning uh, momentum under extreme pressure um, whilst going through what the, what the men have been having to go through, sort of worrying about, I'm sure in the back of their minds, um, what's going on with the club. But yeah, they've not been able to, they just can't afford to switch off for, for one minute. I mean, we saw last weekend against Birmingham that, you know, a team that many people would have expected them to, to stroll past and it took a penalty in what was so classic title winning, it was a classic title winning game, wasn't it? You know, horrible weather, ugly game, you're struggling, you're not at your best, but somehow you find a way to win a little bit via the penalty spot. Um, it would be very surprising, and, and, and you know, I don't want to jinx, so I'm looking for wood to touch um, if if they don't complete the job because, because yeah, they're, they're, uh, yeah, they've they've got that trophy in their nostrils now. Yeah, Manchester City beating Birmingham on Wednesday night did them a favour as well. It means uh, United have got a difficult task rather than being in pole position uh, themselves to finish third. So it's a noon kickoff on Sunday for that. Of course, we will react to it in Monday's pod. And next week, we'll be building up to the FA Cup final because the women are taking on Manchester City uh, in that next weekend. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-18s took on Fulham in the final of the under-18 Premier League Cup at Craven Cottage on Wednesday night. And they won. 2-1 the score. Jude soon Bell got the decisive goal 10 minutes from time. Fulham had equalised after Leo Castledine put the Blues ahead early on. Uh, this is good news, Simon. We'll talk about the, the under-23s shortly. But for Ed Brand, after that FA Youth Cup late capitulation at Forest in the semi-final and the fact that he hasn't won that trophy or really got anywhere near winning the league title this season. It's um, it's a big boost for him personally, as well as the academy as a whole. Yeah, I, I think that, that will lift everyone. And there's some sort of, there were some notable players in that team, ones we've seen playing for the first team this season. So it'll be a lift for them too. Um, the the academy is expected to win trophies. Uh, I, I know it's not the be all and end all. They're, they're obviously their priorities to develop players. But history dictates that the academy wins trophies, and it's getting harder and harder for them to maintain their um, this winning record because, of course, other other academies are catching them up, um, which sort of relates to a piece that that I wrote a few months ago. Um, but it is good to see, and Jude Sunes up Bell, you know, that there there are players that Chelsea be worrying about going forward too in terms of. Are they going to be sticking around? I mean, it seems like Bell's got one year left on his contract. It feels like deja vu um, from last summer with a few sort of um, academy players with one year left. He's not the only one, but it's it's nice to sort of for them to at least end the season on a bit of a high, even though 
it isn't the the biggest prize they could win. Um, what I found amusing when I did try and tune in was, um, of course, you're you're relying on commentary of of uh, other clubs. Um, we didn't hear your dulcet tones, Matt. So uh, yeah, the, the, it it didn't really feel like. I, I don't want to disrespect the guy. I don't know who he was, but yeah, he found it very difficult to to remain remotely impartial. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Kept referring to them. As far as Chelsea are concerned, <laughs> I found that quite funny. You no, know, doing better than them and stuff like that. <laughs> but that was, yeah, that was very good. Yeah, hopefully next season we'll be able to um, to bring those back. Uh, so the 18s finished their season with a league game at Southampton on Saturday. Meanwhile, Sunday, Judgment Day for the under-23s. They take on Spurs at Cobham, knowing only a win will save them from relegation from Division 1 of PL2. Only won one of their last five, Simon. Uh, they know exactly what they have to do. Leeds have already played their final game, the team above them. Uh, Andy Myers, does he need to win this to save his job, do you think? Well, it's, it's clearly not good if they go down. I don't think they've ever been in the second division in their history. I mean, it's not good. I mean, that they can blame bad luck and, and obviously players um, being used in the first team squad at times. So they haven't got them. Other players leaving on loan, other players leaving the club last summer, which they perhaps hadn't planned for. But this is Chelsea we're talking about. And... and it is is a shocker to see them down there. They they they've just they've just not been able to to string a, a, any results together. And and clearly that like any job at Chelsea, you're going to come under scrutiny. Um, I'm just wondering whether Mark Clattenberg might be asked to, to to referee this game. You know, sort of not so much Battle of the Bridge, but Battle of Cobham. The clash at Cobham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's it. Um, yeah, why not? And and sort of make it sort of a la 2016 um, Chelsea Spurs. But um, if Chelsea can't get up for one for this game, what what it means, but also it's Spurs. It would be very sweet, obviously, if they can sort of tick two boxes, beat Spurs, and and uh, and stay up. But I just find it very odd um, that it's being played at Cobham. I just think that's very strange. Um, you would have thought. I don't know why, but you would have thought that, that Chelsea would want fans behind them at, at Kings Meadow. Um, I'm sure there would have been quite a lot of fans that would turn up to... It's Chelsea Spurs, after all. Chelsea fans want to see that, regardless of what level it is. But, but with what's at stake, I'm sure there would have been quite a turnout. So let's, let's hope they can still get the job done at Cobham. Well, they can't play at Kings Meadow on Sunday, can they? Because the women will be playing there. But I guess they could have rearranged the game, couldn't they? Because it's a rearranged fixture, so you'd think that they they would have um, they would have put it on either on the Saturday or on the Friday. Well, it was originally on, uh, scheduled for Friday, so that that that's what I don't I, I don't understand why why it got moved from Friday to Sunday, which which led to this clash. So uh, perhaps perhaps they don't look like the women didn't want you know a, a team to be playing on the on the pitch on the Friday. Because they want a perfect pitch for themselves. Uh, I, who knows? I'm just speculating, but it um, it does seem a bit as if um, the the under twenty threes have hit themselves with their own sort of disadvantage, or not made the most of the advantage that they they could have had. Well, whatever happens in that game, we'll let you know on Monday's pod. Uh, next today, we quiz. <laughs> Chelsea and Wolves, the theme then. Three questions per contestant. Liam, you're up first. Who was the last player to score a goal in a game between Chelsea and Wolves? 
Um, is it Daniel Pedence? It was not Daniel Pedence. Can you steal it, Simon? Is it the last, well, any player or... The last Chelsea. any player to score a goal in the fixture. <laughs> uh, I can't even... They always seem to end nil-nil. Um, the last two of, have ended nil-nil. Yeah. Hello, Giroud. Giroud is incorrect. The answer in stoppage time on the 15th of December 2020 at Molyneux was Pedro Neto. Pedence had scored earlier in the game. Liam How Giroud do we did not remember that, that Liam? Oh, dear. Yeah. I was probably there, but yeah. yeah. Wolves games are never memorable, let's be honest. <laughs> Uh, Simon, here's your first question. Who yeah. made his Chelsea debut as a 59th minute sub in the 4-0 home win against Wolves in November 2009? It was one of only 16 appearances this player would make for the Blues. 2009, 4-0. Sub just before the hour mark. Because that will help. <laughs> <laughs> the timing. Oh, oh. Oh, 59th, yes. Oh, I was yeah, thinking yeah. 75th. Uh... <laughs> 2009, oh my word. I only played 16 games for Chelsea. 16 games. So it's obviously a youth, has to be a youth player. I'm saying nothing. I'm sort of reading your, <laughs> trying to read you. I'm trying to say something. Uh... No, I was always thinking that timing doesn't work. Um, youth player, I don't think this is right. Jeffrey Broomer. It's not right. Can you pinch it, Liam? Good guess. Is it not Josh, Josh McEachern? It was not Josh McEachern. It was Gail Kakuta, was the answer. The other one. We were looking for. Yeah, tough question. Uh, uh, Liam, here's your second. Who scored in both league meetings between Chelsea and Wolves in 2019-20? Well, so in the away game, Tamori Mount and Tammy scored. In the home game, Mount scored a free kick in the home game. It's him. It's correct. Mason Mount is the answer. It's 1-0 to Liam. Uh, second question for you then, Simon. What was unusual about Chelsea's subs bench for the reverse fixture at Molyneux in December? There were only six subs. That is absolutely is correct. And uh, and uh, Bettinelli and Bettinelli was one of them because basically it was a COVID job, wasn't it? It and, was and, two goalies over the six. And and Tuchel hasn't forgotten it. <laughs> Neither has Petr Cech. <laughs> Be fair, they did have a case on that day. They did have a case. Made to travel up with you know people with positive COVID tests all on the same coach. I think they? it was perfectly fair. <laughs> all right, get, so it's one all. You don't get bonus points for showing you're working, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I love that there's been some, some genuine rancour uh, brought on by this quid over the course of the season. Liam, this is your third and final question. It's 1-1 at the moment. Chelsea and Wolves didn't meet in the Premier League until the 2003-2004 season. What did the Blues do in both of those games? They have a player sent off. Simon, can you steal it? Uh, 
0304. I'm, I'm picturing Wolves in a kit sponsored by Doritos, maybe around about the time Paul Ince and Colin Cameron so were what, in the midfield. what they did, so like... They did They not, did something the same in both, both did games. Did they play a football match? Uh, they did, but that's not the answer that I'm looking for. Uh, no, I was going to say... They do. I mean, I know they won five. I'll just, uh, I'll guess they scored five in both games. And that guess is absolutely correct. <laughs> I just, I, I don't remember the home game, but I remember the away one. Five nil at home, five two away it was. Right, so you're two one up. So Liam, what you're hoping for here is for Simon to miss his last question and you to steal it. And anybody who listened last week will know that stealing is a perfectly legitimate way to score points in this quiz. A perfectly legitimate and often dramatic way, I might add. Here's your final question then, Simon. You can get a three one win here. Ryan Bertrand scored two goals in his 57 appearances for Chelsea. One was in a 6-0 League Cup win against Wolves at the bridge in September 2012. Which other game? Did he find the netting for the Blues? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which other game? Ryan Bertrand. Famously made his debut in European club football in the 2012 Champions League final. Didn't score in that one. When did Simon, you can, prob- you can probably phone a friend and then get them to congratulate you for winning the quiz because this isn't getting <laughs> So... I don't even really think this even... I don't know even why I'm asking. So it's not against Wolves. It's just what... No, other what, he scored two goals. One of them was against Wolves in that 6-0 League Cup win, which seems to come up in the quiz every other week. Uh, but he what scored another game. <laughs> uh, I don't know even why I'm even When I tell you it, you'll go, oh, yeah, I did know that. Oh, well, uh, that's every week. Um, let me <laughs> Um, Southampton. Southampton is incorrect. Liam, can you steal it for the equaliser? I, mean, I was, I was going to guess Southampton. Um... Uh... Sip of water because it's very nervous. You know, is Liam <laughs> going to pluck one out of the hat? Fulham. Is he going to do it? Is he going to do Real Madrid or me? <laughs> Follow me, says. It's incorrect. It was the oh. 2012 Community Shield against Man City at Villa Park. Remember when Branislav Ivanovic got sent off? They played it at Villa Park because there. the Olympics were going on. I was there. No but... recollection of that game of football. No. The disrespect being shown to Ryan Bertrand's story, Chelsea career is totally unacceptable. But it does feel... mean that you've won 2 1, Simon. Feel good about that? Oh, ecstatic. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been that that guess that Simon guess was an absolute Pedro Neto of a goal. <laughs> <laughs> absolute. Well, I was just sort of think. I was just thinking like. I, I was thinking hat trick for some reason, and then I just thought no because I don't think anyone got a hat trick in that away game. So that only left me with Chelsea scored five in that away game. I couldn't remember the home game at all. But the, the 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 away game was mate because that was quite early on in the in the uh, in the season if memory says right. Anyway, love it when even <laughs> the victor of a quiz is disappointed with it. So yeah, more of that next week. <laughs> 
we'll do a big one at the end of this season as well. Something to look forward to, I suppose. Um, elsewhere on The Athletic, Dan Sheldon's written about how Armando Breuer's form has tailed off. Southampton still want him for next season, even though Ralph Hasenhutl was pretty critical of him last weekend. You can read all about that over on The Athletic. Simon, can you tell us a bit about your interview with uh, Levi Colwell and, and how likely is he to be back at Chelsea next season? Well, firstly, uh, so basically I did it over two 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 stages. Um, I first met him on Zoom because Huddersfield still have um, COVID protocols. Um, and But then I went to watch him play um, at Coventry. And I just found him an extremely... Um, mature young man um he, he knows there's a there's a, a lot of focus on him a lot of buzz around him a lot of clubs including Chelsea want him for next season but yes of course you got the impression it was very much a PR briefed answer sort of like oh I'm only focusing on the here and now but I actually thought a lot of what he was saying was quite genuine I think because of the disappointments he's had this season certainly the second half of the season with a lot of injuries and COVID, it's made him realise he can't look too far ahead because he's seen the reality, the other side of football, the negative side of football. But um, but yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a good talker, talks about sort of having the John Terry label at him, um, the important role his parents played to stop him getting big-headed. The most alarming confession of that that I heard him make was that he had salad cream to spaghetti bolognese. I, I, oh God! Oh yeah, yeah. That was everyone's reaction. I I when he told me that I, afterwards, I went and and spoke to my wife about it. I was so horrified. Apparently, the Huddersfield Town press officer she did the same. She went back. Well, obviously not to my wife, but she went. She went and spoke <laughs> to the people in her office. And just went. What is uh, um, and I did ask him, I said, well, where's that come from? And he says, oh, our family loves salad cream. And I did joke with him. I said, well, I'll have to give that a try, thinking there's never a chance that I'm going to give that. <laughs> I, can't think, I just can't think how that works. Salad cream with all that. But anyway, I saw him play. He plays in the Rudiger position in the back three. Uh, and despite his, his um, as he confessed, feeling rusty because he's not played much football. Um, he looks silky smooth, um, very good with the ball at his feet. Does he shoot once per game from 40 yards? <laughs> not yet. I'm sure that's that's uh, so- something he- he'll be working on. But in terms of his future at Chelsea, um, he's definitely being going to be looked at in pre-season. The timing is superb for him. You know, if Chelsea are losing Christensen, Rudiger and possibly Azpilicueta, it would be madness to spend whatever budget the new owners give them on on just defenders. So he could be, he's got a good chance of being the next Trevor Chalab. But those decisions will be made July, August, um, obviously. But um, yeah, very good read if if you can, uh, in my own opinion, if you can get over the salad cream reference. (laughs) Yeah, do go check that out. Um, Also, Speaking of which, if you go to the Athletics audio section for the Totally Football League show the other week, I interviewed John Russell, who's a former Chelsea uh, youth player at Huddersfield. And he told me a lot about what a benefit it's been to him this season, having Levi and Tino Andrin latterly around him too. So check that out if you like. Uh, Liam, what are you writing about? Well, I've currently got a piece up on site on Romelu Lukaku, which we talked about earlier. Um, just I've been watching him closely in the last couple of weeks and uh, and talking to people with knowledge of his situation is to try and figure out why it's been such a mess. Um, aside from that, we are doing 
daily reporting on the takeover latest, all the twists and turns, and I'm sure that will that will carry over into next week. Simon is is covering the Wolves game. Uh, Yay! And yeah, so <laughs> can't he'll, wait. He'll get he'll get to go and watch the uh, the two teams on holiday, and um, <laughs> and yeah, we'll catch up next week. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. It's going to be a massive weekend for Chelsea at all levels. Join us on Monday. We'll round it all up for you. Hopefully we'll be celebrating a league title survival in PL2 and a step closer to Champions League qualification for next season. Do join us for that if you can. Until then, many thanks to Simon, to Liam, to producer Lucy and to you for listening. We'll catch up with you on Monday. Bye for now. 